I hope you haven't given up on America. I mean, if you're like me, you're probably a little frustrated at what's going on in this country. But uh, I don't. I don't believe. I don't believe we're done for yet. Uh, we're heading down a very dark path for sure. But um, you know what? I believe that God can send revival. I believe He wants to. And I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again, and I'll I'll say it and I'll say it many times in the future. If we're going to have revival, we've got to stop depending on our politicians, and we've got to start depending on God, and understand that He wants to use us to start a revival, not them. All right, they are they are so corrupt; it is so bad. But our politicians, one thing that is very clear about them is, uh, for the most part, I mean, they are as spineless as all get out. They have no backbone. And as soon as the wind starts blowing another direction, that's the way they're going to go. And unfortunately, because we're getting so wicked and fewer and fewer of God's people are speaking up and saying anything, the politicians, they're said every day they just go out and check the wind, see what it's doing, and the wind's just blowing the wrong direction right now. And we need to ask God to send a revival, and He will. So right now, kids, you can go ahead and head on downstairs for junior church. And... We're going to go to the book of Deuteronomy this morning. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1 through 12. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1 through 12. I kind of, I'm going off the subject that we've been on, we were on last week. We're going to continue with it. Be Memorial Day. The Lord laid this message on my heart, and I think it's very important. And, uh, I'm going to get a little radical today. I'm going to be reading from two of the most radical documents in the world. The Bible, of course. Very hated book by many people. And another thing I'm going to be reading from, the Constitution of the United States. So, many people. That is probably the second most hated document in America and a lot of it hated by... Uh, many of our leaders, and you know, and that's sad too because we've got a lot, we've got a lot of veterans in here in this building, and I know one of the things that you know they uh, swear that oath to uphold the Constitution. Our politicians are supposed to do that too, but it's not really being done today. And there's a reason for that. There's a reason that America is going in the direction that it's going. There's a reason churches and families and individuals are taking the directions that they're taking. It's they have the problem is is we are forgetting. We are not remembering. I'm thankful for Memorial Day. We need to remember the sacrifices that have been made for this country. It is, I think it is completely appropriate to do that. To have a day to just kind of remember those who've fought and those who've died for our country. Very, very appropriate. We need to do that. But as Christians, throughout the Bible, we're commanded to do certain things with, and we were warned that if we don't, we are going to forget some things. And if we forget some things, we're going to get in trouble. And I'm going to try to hopefully maybe remind you of these things today because I don't want us to forget. And Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Now these are the commandments, the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that ye might do them in the land whither ye go to possess, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God and keep all His statutes and His commandments which I commanded command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's sons all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that ye may increase mightily as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. 
And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Boy, we're not diligently teaching our children history these days or the things of God. And thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou risest up. Thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which He sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, and houses full of all good things which thou fillest not, and wells dig which thou diggest not, vineyards and olive trees which thou plantest not, when thou shalt have eaten and be full, then beware lest thou forget the Lord which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt and from the house of bondage. I don't know if I'm going to get through all this message today. I'm going to get as far as I can. But I want you to notice that verse that says, after all these good things happen, Lord promised some great things to them if they would follow His will, if they would follow His Word and be obedient to it. God says, I'm going to, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to do some great things for you. You're going to be living in houses and cities that you didn't even build. You're going to be eating from gardens and trees that you didn't even plant. But He said, during that time, you need to make sure you teach your children what I did for you. You need to teach them this law. You need to talk about it. You need to write them upon the post of your house. Because if you need to beware, because after all these good things happen, if you forget, beware unless you forget. And unfortunately, when you read the history of Israel, they did. They kept forgetting over and over. They kept forgetting what God did for them. God would bless them. We went, I did a study through the book of Judges, and it was, it's the most frustrating study in the world. Israel, they would forget. God would punish them. They would go into captivity. They would remember God. God would deliver them. God would bless them. And then they'd forget again. And in America, our country, we were definitely founded on Christian principles. Our people, our founding fathers, they had the right idea in mind. They wanted a place where people could be free to serve God. And man, these people, they came in, these pioneers, they went and they just, they started a wonderful thing. They started a great country, the greatest country, I still believe, on the face of the earth. But unfortunately, we've forgotten about what they've done. We've forgotten what has been done for us in our, in our nation's history. And today, we're going to talk about some history that we can't afford to forget. And one of those is our nation's history. Boy, we've got a great history. In this country, I can't imagine going and taking history courses in China. I mean, boy, their history stinks. I I wouldn't enjoy that one bit. I mean, many countries, you just the history that they have, it's just absolutely terrible. Can you imagine being you know being taught history in France? I mean, those people they've never accomplished anything. They've never won any battles. I mean, they just not a very good country. I mean, imagine trying to be patriotic in that country. All they had to celebrate are the other countries that have gotten them out of the messes that they've been in. And it, uh, it's just, it'd be embarrassing. I remember France, you know, when we were kind of having some problems with them shortly after 9 11, uh, I, worked with, I worked with several Mexican people, and they were going to be celebrating the Cinco de Mayo. And they were going to be bringing in some food and things and asked me if I wanted to celebrate. And I was like, I, I didn't know my France or Mexican history very well. And I was like, what is it exactly? I've heard about it. And they said, like, it was 
celebrating the Mexicans defeating France. I said, I'm in. <laughs> I did. I brought some food, and they, that's kind of what got me started on the Mexican food. Man, they, those guys changed my life when it comes to what I eat. But our nation's history, we have a great history. In John 15, verse 13, the Bible says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. One thing that we should never forget is just all those who have died for this country. I mean, there's so many, so much blood that has been shed so we can have the things that we have. We cannot forget that. But we need to, so we need to remember the sacrifices, but it's very important that we remember why they sacrificed. We need to remember why people uh, why they made the sacrifice? Why they did what they did? Well, I was I went and I, I started reading some history, and you know the sad thing I I remember reading all this stuff when I was in school and going through it, but you know when you're in school, uh, you're a teenager. A lot of times you just you don't pay attention to a lot of politics and things. You just you try to learn just enough to pass the test, and you don't really apply it. And while I was reading some of this, and as I'm remembering it, I'm kind of getting fired up. But I want to read you some portions of the Declaration of Independence. Because remember, this is why our nation was started the way it was and why many died. It says, "...when in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and that they are endowed by their Creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, derive their just powers from the consent of the governed. That whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Prudence indeed will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes. And accordingly, all experience has shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer while the evils are sufferable than to, uh, than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. But when a long train of abuses and usurpations per, uh, pursuing invariably the same objective evidences are designed to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right, it is their duty to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security." Such has been the patient sufferances of these colonies, and such is now the necessity which constrains them to alter their former systems of government. The history of the present King of Great Britain is a history of repeated injuries and usurpations, all having in direct object the establishment of an absolute tyranny over these states. To prove this, let facts be submitted to a candid world. And then they go and they list a bunch of charges to the king. But notice what they're doing. It's, it's a right of the people to overthrow those governments and to set up new governments. We've got a mindset in our country today that the government, they're just absolutely powerful and we're just we supposed to go along with whatever. And we forget in our history why this country was started 
and, it, and what was going on that caused this revolutionary war. I think pretty much everybody across the board agrees that was a good war. They agree that we were right to go to battle. And listen, I'm not trying to start a war here today, but I'm trying to get you to remember some things because we're not paying attention. We don't remember our history. And there's some stuff going on today that uh, our founding fathers, they went to war to stop. But there's just a few things that says, but he has refused his assent to laws the most wholesome and necessary for the public good. King George, he was thinking more about himself and his power than he was the country, not thinking about the public good. He has forbidden his governors to pass laws of immediate and pressing importance unless suspended in their operation till his assent should be obtained. And when so suspended, he has utterly neglected to attend to them. He wasn't allowing states to do what they wanted to do. It's amazing how many laws our national government is instituting on the whole country. And states are trying to get out of these things. For example, the health care law. And the states are trying to find ways to get out, and they can't. That wasn't the way our country was set up. We're supposed to, our states were supposed to be you know, individual states that were able to kind of do what they felt best. For their state, we've got people that are wanting to impose things on the entire country whether they want it or not, whether it's for their good or not. Since he has refused to pass other laws for the accommodation of large districts of people unless those people would relinquish the right of representation in the legislature, a right inestimable to them and formidable to tyrants only. He has erected multitudes of new offices and set hither swarms of officers to harass our people and eat out their substance. I'm thinking of three letters right now. I-R-S. That's exactly what they've been doing right now. There is a whole new army of them that have they have hired to run this healthcare system. I mean, it, there's. I mean, I was telling my wife about it. She was shocked. How many have heard of Obama's czars that he's appointed over all kinds of different things? Czars. That's what they call them. And we seem to be fine with that. He's kept us among us in times of peace, standing armies without the consent of our legislatures. He has affected to render the military independent and superior of the civil power. Our military, they have power over pretty much whatever goes on. We saw in Boston recently, one guy, they're chasing after one guy, and military came in, I saw the videos pointing guns at people, making them come out of their house, yelling at them if they wouldn't put their hands above their heads so they could go from house to house and search the place to find one guy. I mean, it was, it was crazy. And they're going from house to house screaming at these people like they're criminals. And then when they finally find the guy, I mean, I mean then you've got half of, you know, all these Americans chanting, USA, USA. And it's like, do you realize what just happened? Do you realize how much of the Constitution was violated to catch one guy? I don't, I don't want a bunch of military coming through my house and pointing guns at my family. I mean, I was watching these people. They didn't even look like the terrorists. One guy came walking out of his house just like this. The guy just started screaming at him, Get your hands behind your head! Point the gun at him! It's scary. I mean, it goes on for quartering large bodies of armed troops among us, for protecting them by a mock trial from punishment for any murders which they should commit on the inhabitants of these states, for imposing taxes on us without our consent, for depriving us in many cases the benefits of trial by jury, 
for transporting us beyond seas to be tried for pretended offenses, for suspending our own legislatures and declaring themselves invested with power to legislate for us in all cases whatsoever. He has plundered our seas, ravaged our coasts, burnt our towns, and destroyed the lives of our people. I mean, it's just crazy. One thing after another. And I'm reading this stuff and I'm just getting fired up. I mean, I, it's, you know, y'all are going to pray for me if I read too much of this. I'm going to get mad. But while I was reading, uh, I was going through some of the amendments. The first, the first amendment. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or the, of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for redress of grievances. The First Amendment, it's mostly talking about religion. They usually bring it up for the freedom of the press, freedom for protesters, and hey, they're, they're allowed too. But boy, have you ever noticed they start really criticizing churches when they start getting involved in political things and speaking out against leaders? When it says that it's okay, that they are allowed to assemble and to petition the government. They're always talking about separation of church and state. Church shouldn't have anything to do with the government. No, we are allowed to go after the government for things. We're just not supposed to be in charge of the government. And uh, we are we are allowed to speak out against those things. Our Second Amendment, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. I tell you what, boy, they're fighting that one today. They're going, they're going after that one. That it, no, they're not even supposed to mess with that. You know, gun control. I tell you, gun control. All that should be about is learning how to hit what you're aiming at. I mean, just learning how gun control is learning how to load it and hit. You know, shoot and use it responsibly. And our government's getting way too involved. I mean, boy, there's there's a bunch of them in here. I shouldn't even be reading these things, but you know, the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures, Boston, shall not be violated, and no warrant shall issue but upon probable cause, supported by oath or affirmation, and particularly describe the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. That one, that one went right out the window. I mean, the uh, the Excessive bail shall not be required, nor excessive fines imposed, nor cruel and unusual punishments inflicted. That I didn't even know that was in there. They do that all the time. I got the flight risk, whatever. The um, the uh, all the one the right to a speedy trial. Well, that doesn't happen anymore, especially if it gets high profile. I mean, we got guys sitting in prison and jails for a year just waiting for a trial. I mean, if it becomes high profile, you are going to be in jail for a long time just waiting for your trial. It's, you know, our Constitution. And the thing is, most people, they don't complain by this stuff, about this stuff. They think it's just the way it is because we've forgotten. We forgot that, wait a minute, you realize, you realize that per, those people that are sitting in jail just waiting for a trial. You, they don't, it's like you want, you want to go tell them, do you realize people have died so you wouldn't have to do this? This should not be happening right now. These people who had their houses invaded, they, I don't think they realize people have died. So that could not happen. Listen, if we have a terrorist around here, listen, I hope the authorities go after him and everything. But if he comes in my house, I'll take care of it. I, I will take care of it. I've got, like I said, I practice the Second Amendment. 
I believe in it. And I am enjoying that freedom that we still have. And I will, I will protect my family. If I need help, I'll call them up. I'm thankful for 911. I'm thankful for our police officers. But boy, we've just turned all that stuff over to the government and people have died so we, that wouldn't, it wouldn't be that way. So that wouldn't happen. And we've forgotten that history. And there's so much more I could read on that, but we don't have time. Another thing we ought to remember, it's a good thing to remember, I love studying it, our Baptist history. The Baptist influence for religious freedom in America, it's amazing. The, the whole separation of church and state, that came from a letter that was written by Thomas Jefferson to the Danbury Baptist Association. The Danbury Baptist Association, they wrote to Thomas Jefferson. They were, they weren't, they needed some assurances from him. America was very close to adopting a state religion. Let me tell you, while I believe in the Baptist doctrine, I do not believe the Baptists should be taking over the country to where we are demanding people be Baptists. In our Baptist history, thank the Lord, there has never, uh, we've never killed people for not being Baptists. That's never been done. Everybody got all mad at Rosie O'Donnell one time when she made the statement, well, you know, fundamental Christianity is, you know, killed more people than fundamentalist Islam. Well, she was close. Uh, fundamentalist Islam, they've killed a lot of people, but there's been a lot of people killed in the name of Christianity. Alright? You and I don't call it that, but you read about the Inquisitions. That was done in the name of Christianity. The Catholic Church, I mean, their history of bloodshed is absolutely horrible. Adolf Hitler and the Third Reich, a lot of that was religiously motivated going after those people who killed Christ. The Jews. It was, it was a quote Christian religion that caused that. Now you and I know that that has absolutely nothing to do with Christianity, but even in America. I don't have time to go into all the stories there, but in America... Many of the Puritans, I mean, they would kill people that were not following the religions. There's many stories of Baptist people, men like Shubal Stearns, who was beaten and whipped for preaching the gospel and not going along what they believed. You know, they didn't just burn witches back then. Sometimes that they it was anybody who did not follow their religion. And the Baptists, we've they've always fought for religious freedom. We've never believed in using government to force our religion on anybody. It's something that's between the individual and God. And in this letter that they read, it says, "Among the many millions in America and Europe who rejoice in your election to office," talking to Thomas Jefferson. We embrace the first opportunity which we have enjoyed in our collective capacity since your inauguration to express our great satisfaction in your appointment to the chief magistracy, or I can't even say that word, in the United States. And though the mode of expression may be less courtly and pompous than what many others clothe in their addresses, with we beg you, sir, to believe that none is more sincere. Our sentiments are uniformly on the side of religious liberty. That religion is at all times and places a matter between God and individuals. That no man ought to suffer in name, person, or effects on account of his religious opinions. And that the legitimate power of civil government extends no further than to punish the man who works ill to his neighbor. But sir, our constitution of government is not specific. Our ancient charter together with the laws made... uh, coincided therewith, were adapted as the basis of our government 
at the time of our revolution, and such has been our laws and usages, and such still are, so that the religion is considered the first object of legislation, and therefore what religious privileges we enjoy as a minor part of the state, we enjoy as favors granted and not as inalienable rights. They felt like their religious freedom was something that the government was allowing them to have. But religious freedom is not something that is given to us by our government. It's given to us by God. Our government has no right to touch it. Our government has no right to tax. You know, that's sad. I had to send in information to get our tax-exempt status. And it makes me very angry when leaders talk about how they are going to take away a church's tax-exempt status. They have, they have absolutely no right and no authority to do that whatsoever. Absolutely none. And that's how they felt then. They felt like they were being allowed religious freedom, but they wanted to make sure that it was an inalienable right. And these favors we receive at the expense of such uh, degrading acknowledgments are as consistent with the rights of free men. It is not to be wondered at, therefore, if those who seek after power and gain under the pretense of government and religion should reproach their fellow men or should reproach their chief magistrate as an enemy of religion, law, and good order because he will not, dare not, assume the prerogative of Jehovah and make laws to govern the kingdom of Christ. So they have no, there's no way they should be able to do that. And, um, it says, sir, we are sensible that the President of the United States is not the national legislature or legislator, and also sensible that the national government cannot destroy the laws of each state. Now remember, it was a lot different back then. States made their own laws, national, but that's completely out the window now. But our hopes are strong that the sentiment of our beloved president which have had such a genial effect already, like the radiant beams of the sun, will shine and prevail through all these states and all the world until hierarchy and tyranny be destroyed from the earth. Sir, when we reflect on your past services, we see a glow of philanthropy and goodwill shining forth in a course of more than 30 years. We have reason to believe that America's God has raised you up to fill the chair of state out of that goodwill which He bears to the millions which you preside over. May God strengthen you for the arduous task which providence and the voice of the people have called you to sustain and support you and your administration against all the predetermined opposition of those who wish to rise to the wealth and importance on the poverty and subjection of the people. And may the Lord preserve you from every evil and bring you at last to His heavenly kingdom through Jesus Christ, our glorious mediator. That was the letter that they sent. And then Thomas Jefferson, he replied, Gentlemen, the affectionate sentiment of esteem and approbation which you are so good as to express towards me on behalf of the Danbury Baptist Association give me the highest satisfaction. My duties dictate a faithful and zealous pursuit of the interests of my constituents and in proportion as they are persuaded of my fidelity to those duties, the discharge of them becomes more and more pleasing. Believing with you that religion is a matter which lies solely between man and his God, that he owes account to none other for his faith or his worship, that the legislative powers of government reach actions only and not opinions. Somebody should have told those IRS agents that when they were asking about the details of the people's prayers. That was uh, pretty scary stuff there. I contemplate with sovereign reverence that act of the whole American people which declared that their legislature would make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. 
thus building a wall of separation between church and state, adhering to this expression of the supreme will of the nation in behalf of the rights of conscience, I shall see with sincere satisfaction the progress of those sentiments which tend to restore to man all his natural rights, convinced he has so natural right in opposition to his social duties. Right there, that's where the whole separation of church and state thing came from. It was the Baptists that were trying to make sure that people had, that our country had religious freedom. And Thomas Jefferson, hey, there's, there's a wall here. It's one that separates the church and state where not the state can, or the church cannot express its grievances to the government. But where the state, it cannot touch the church. It has absolutely no right to do that whatsoever. And our, our Baptist forefathers, they fought for that. And they believed in that. And they influenced leaders to make sure that we had that in this country. There are so many other things I can look at. Roger Williams, I wish I had time to go into some of his things and his beliefs that he fought against a lot of what was being taught in America and what was going on. Believed in religious freedom. That it was the right of people. Listen, I don't. there's a lot of other religions in there I don't believe in. There's some religions out there I just flat out don't like. But you know what? I believe they ought to have the right to practice that religion and to teach what they want to teach until it becomes harmful to their neighbor. Okay, When your religion teaches that you should kill infidels, uh, well, then we need to go after those who are doing that. But uh, we, we believe in Baptists, we believe in religious freedom. We fought for it. We've died for it. Not just in America. In many other countries. And I think there's some great books out there on Baptist history, and it's amazing the amount of blood that has been shed by our forefathers. We don't want to forget that. But then real quickly, so there's so much I'd like to get into. We don't want to forget about our church's history. First, this church, Liberty Baptist Church, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and verse 12 and 13, says, "...and we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you, and are over you in the Lord, and admonish you." And to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves. Our history at this church, of course, is very short. Uh, we've only been doing this now for uh, not even two years. But you know what? One thing we don't we don't ever want to forget. We don't ever want to forget the people that have been involved. We don't. I, I hope the church doesn't forget you, people. As long as I'm here, I'm going to remind them about the sacrifices and the things that people did. To help this church and and to get it going, I've said this before. You all right now, you are the pioneers in Liberty Baptist Church. We're not the you know we're not the big thriving church with all the neat fun programs and things yet. But yet we have people here that have a vision and believe that we can have those things someday, and that God is going to grow this church, and we're going to be able to expand our ministries and do more things. And you are here paving the way. You are here making that happen just by your faithfulness and by being here and by going out and inviting others to church, by giving of your tithes and offerings, by being supportive of me, by encouraging my heart, by encouraging each other. You are paving the way for greater things. I think about the church that I'm from. I was just showing folks the video, some of the videos from the 20th anniversary and just showing you ought to see what it was like when we started at that church. It was ugly. It was an old, nasty Western nightclub. Smelled terrible. I mean, just it, it was it was a sight. And uh, I remember during the services, 
It had the drop ceiling. You'd see mice running across the lights. Talk about a distraction. Those women, they'd be... I mean, they're, they're panicking and moving from seat to seat. I remember one time I'm sitting there in the front row and I watched a mouse go and run right under the piano while my mom was up there. And she didn't notice it. And I remember I just, it was, she wasn't playing yet. It was during Prairie Quest or something. I looked at her and I was like, there's a mouse up there. And she, I remember she just kind of backed up and I, it was very common to see mice running around in the service. But you know what? Thank the Lord there were people that they hung around. They didn't look at it and say, oh, this place is a dump. I'm not coming back here. They were more interested in what was being taught and what was being preached. They were interested in what... Uh, and they, they had a vision for the church. My dad, he had a vision. He, he talked about the things that were going to happen and the, and the buildings that were going to be built and the ministries that were going to be able to start. And thankfully, people came along and they, they believed it could happen too. And they got involved. And now, I mean, it's it's amazing what God has done over there, and that's what and I, and there's people, there's individuals over there that I can think of that help make that happen. I don't ever want to forget those people. I don't ever and I don't ever want to forget you people that are here. We need to remember the sacrifices that have been made. We need to remember the, we need to remember the people. We need to remember the miracles. Deuteronomy chapter eleven verse one through seven it talks about that Israel they kept forgetting about the miracles that God did for them already in just a short time we've been here God has done so many miracles we've seen God do some great things and not just just in, not only in the lives of people but just in His provision the way that He's blessed us just I mean so many things that we could talk about we don't want to forget those things. because you know what there's going to be days that are going to come in the future where we're going to need some more miracles. And if we if we forget about what God did for us in the past, you know what we're going to do? We're going to do like Israel. We're going to start murmuring. We're going to start complaining. And we're going to get ourselves in trouble like they did. We need to remember the hard times. We need to remember... Listen, there's going to be... We've had some hard times. And there's going to be more hard times. We need to remember those things. We need to remember, one, that they ended. They didn't last forever. We remember that God got through them. God is through them. He got us stronger. As a result of them, we cannot forget our church's history. Don't forget your family history. Deuteronomy chapter four, verse twenty-nine says, "But if thou from thence shalt seek the Lord thy God and shalt find Him, if thou seek Him with all thy heart, with all thy soul, when thou art in tribulation and all these things come upon thee, even in thy even in the latter days, if thou turn to the Lord thy God." and shall be obedient unto His voice. For the Lord thy God is a merciful God. He will not forsake thee, neither destroy thee, nor forget the covenant of thy fathers, which He sware unto them. God had made a promise to Israel and for their family. If they did certain things, God was going to bless them. You know, we need to... And if they went against them, He was going to curse them. We need to learn from our family's mistakes. I don't think there's anybody in here that came from a perfect family. I think all of us, if we wanted to, we could... Uh, Tell some stories about some shortcomings. We've all we've all got them, and you know what? The families in here, we got some issues too. But you know what? Learn from those things. Learn from their mistakes. Learn from their victories. Think about the things that they did right, and and do those. Think about the mistakes, and and don't do those things. It's amazing how many families the history just repeats itself over and over and over again. Those of you that have been around for a long time, I guarantee you've probably seen examples of that. Where maybe a father 
did something that he shouldn't have done, did something really stupid. And then the son goes and does the same thing and has the same consequences. And then the grandson does the same thing and has the same consequences. And it's like, why doesn't anybody learn from history here? I've seen that happen. I've been, I've been around long enough. I was in one church long enough where I got to see a whole generation. I saw people make mistakes and then watch their kids 20 years later do the exact same thing. Didn't you learn from your family history? Learn from that. Also learn, don't forget your own history. Don't forget your your own history. Remember what it was like when you first got saved. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 5, Jesus is talking to a church that was doing everything right on the outside. But he said, I've got somewhat against you. He said, You've left your first love. He said, I want you to go back and I want you to be like you were when you first got saved. I want you, I want you to be like that. I want you to be doing what you're doing because you just love me. They were doing it out of tradition. They were doing it out of convenience. We don't, don't forget what it was like when you got saved. Remember what it was like when you got saved, but remember what God saved you from. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11, uh, before that, he's talking about all these horrible sins and horrible things that people do. He names a bunch of sins. And he says in verse 11, And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Remember how you used to be. It's going to help you because you know what? There's going to be some folks, they might come in here and they have some issues. And you know what? It's amazing how many times people can come into a church, they've got all kinds of problems, and there will be some Pharisee in the church that will look down on them, that will criticize them, and that Pharisee, 20, 30 years ago, was maybe in the exact same place. But he forgot. He forgot about that. Yeah, you know, I guess I used to do that same thing. The Lord convicts me of that all the time with my kids when I see them doing something that I'm just ready to... Get all over them for. And it's like, what is wrong with this kid? Are they brain damaged? What is going on? It's like, yeah, I kind of remember doing that same thing when I was a kid. And it helps me be a little more merciful. And sometimes I think it makes me hard. It's like, I don't want them to be like I was when I was a kid. (laughs) But we need to remember where we came from. We forget history way too quick. We need to remind ourselves of these things. Don't forget your nation's history. Learn about your Baptist history. We've forgotten most, we've, we, most, never even heard a lot of this stuff, myself included. I've got a lot more I need to learn on our church's history, your family history, your own history. This is, tomorrow we're celebrating Memorial Day. And that's more for the nation. But boy, at least remember that. Remember the sacrifices that have been made in this country. Remember what people have fought for and what people have died for. And appreciate that and fight for it and stand for it. So much has been done and we are just we seem like we're just letting it go and don't even care. And that's that's pretty sad. And I I believe we're in that position because we've just forgotten the history. And we need we need a revival of history in this country. So let's all stand together right now. Their heads bowed and eyes closed.